Hi, everybody. Welcome to Question Field Episode 1, the place where you ask the questions and we field them. I am Brian Buchanan. And I'm Campbell McLaughlin. And we are here to kick things off officially, episode number one. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Yes, very anxious. You know, I'm very anxious as well. <laughs> exciting so. producing, yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but welcome, everybody. So, yeah, Campbell, I have a question for you. And Go ahead. I think that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a simple question, uh, but it's one of those ones where I've thought about it too much, and now my whole world doesn't make sense anymore. Um, <laughs> and what the question is, uh, as you know, people saw from the title, right? We're talking about dimensions, and sure. I, I, I want to really hone in on. Well, here's the thing, right? So I'm a high school physics teacher. Every year, we end up talking about dimensions in some regard right because we eventually we get to motion right away right sure um, but dimensions seem like one of those things it's kind of like gravity right we've lived every day assuming gravity is going to be there and it is and will be right um, <laughs> very lucky <laughs> very lucky yeah uh, <laughs> fingers crossed right and, and in the same way right we live in three spatial dimensions but we kind of, i feel like we kind of take that for granted a little bit mm -hmm. so, so just to like yeah. just to maybe summarize the question so far like why do we live in three dimensions and and you know what's so special about our our yeah. uh, universe. Right, yeah. Because here's the thing, too. This mm -hmm. At some point in college, I ate from the tree of knowledge that is PCHEM 1 and 2, and I got very sick eating from that tree of knowledge because we got into talking about molecules and how sometimes they wiggle in a certain way and sometimes they wiggle in a secondary way or sometimes they're rotating. Yeah. And we also yeah. talked about those in terms of being dimensions and so there's this i don't know if it's just a semantic thing i don't know if it's just <laughs> that i am just lost in the woods or both <laughs> um, yeah i think it's an interesting question so you're sort of getting at this idea of a degree of freedom right and what does that have to do with our notion of dimension or spatial dimension or something similar that we right. kind of know from everyday life. Right. And I, yeah. And if there's like any cross between those two, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my question for today. What, what is the proper definition, do you think, for a dimension? <laughs> it's a very good question. And I think that it kind of depends on the context that you're approaching it from. Do you, do you have, for example, like an intuitive definition of a dimension in your head? Well, see, I started to think of one. And then this is, this, this is where the trouble starts, right? <laughs> um, I, I, wrote, I wrote this down, right? I said, a unique property that can exist in quantity. And sure, it's it's kind of a jumble of words. It just and it happens to rhyme. <laughs> they certainly are all words. Yes, <laughs> they are. They happen to be words. But I was thinking about uh, even something like the game of Twister. Right? You know, we can think sure. about how the extremities might be one dimension, the colors are another dimension. Right? There are these two distinct things. And we yeah. can kind of pair them together. Right. So if you were trying to describe the kind of state of your body in the game twister, you would like say where your arm is, like what color it's on, where your right. leg is and all that sort of thing. And so you could maybe, you know, you could describe the state with a bunch of numbers, perhaps like the position of your limbs and maybe the color that they're on. Look, to be honest, I, I haven't played Twister in a very long time. I don't oh. quite remember. How me, it me either. Me either. I'm right there. Right. <laughs> but maybe that's getting at the kind of intuitive definition to have in mind, which might be the number of numbers you need to characterize a system. 
right? Like how much information do you need to properly specify a system in, in full? Okay. Oh, I like Does that, that make sense? An, uh, the number of numbers needed. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a lot better than the unique property that can exist in quantity. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I, that's, yeah, I, I think that's a great definition for a dimension as well. But that's like one, you know, one of the numbers that you need. As an example, if, if I have something on hand here, like a pen, I'll see me <laughs> holding a pen, but <laughs> can take my word for it. Yes. <laughs> then if I wanted to specify where that pen is, I can say like, oh, it's, uh, it's 10 centimeters above the table or half a meter away from the window and a couple of meters away from the wall. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> three numbers because we live in three dimensions. But the thing that you were mentioning before, you know, going back to chemistry and thinking about molecules is that this pen is not symmetrical. It's not like a sphere, right? So in order to characterize it, more fully, I would need to say it's rotational angle in space, right? Like, is it pointing towards the ceiling or the floor or one of the walls, something like that. And so do you have an, any sort of intuition about whether that, is that a dimension? Is that, uh, well, what is that? <laughs> I would, my intuition says no, mm -hmm. but I guess the, like where that leads me. And again, this is where I, I feel like I get into trouble, right? Is yeah. The universe has these three spatial dimensions. It has one temporal dimension, right? And so this is probably incorrect, but I sometimes think of the universe as like, almost like beads on a string, right? And each is a, sure. is a slice of time. As far as I know, we don't know something like this. And I don't know if we could know something like this, but my, my thought goes to like, what if that bead was like rotating, you know, 90 degrees at each slice of time, right? Would, we, would that be a... Would that be the rotational dimension? We would be three plus one plus one, or at that point, right? So, so you're so you're kind of thinking about this rotational angle as characterizing space in totality, as opposed to like just an object. Right. Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like perhaps that might be confusing things a bit, or or you know, overcomplicating because what is space, right? I mean, we can specify points in space or the location of objects in space but it doesn't actually matter what numbers we use to specify those points you know i could say this pen's a half a meter away from the wall or i could say it's whatever half a meter is right, in uh, right. inches and feet away from the yeah. wall yeah, yeah. um so you know the space itself doesn't actually exist it's just uh, you know a set of coordinates that we place on to describe the locations of points i mean there's maybe maybe a bit philosophical in that I, I could perhaps get in trouble by saying that, but it's a sense of, um, I, I guess, not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like the the context obviously matters. Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So it's sort of like maybe instead of thinking about a whole space rotating through through you know um, twisting around in time, um, which is just the same as you know something rotating. Right. We can just think about the objects in the space rotating. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it w it wouldn't matter. Mm, yeah, you can <laughs> you can rotate your coordinates, or you can rotate the, the objects inside, with yeah. respect to your coordinates. Yeah, <laughs> and I think to to maybe extend on this idea of like angles being something like a dimension. This is the I guess the idea behind a degree of freedom, right? Mm. We you know an object can move in three dimensions of space. So there are three numbers that characterize its position in space. And we say it has three translational degrees of freedom, three ways that we can move it around in space. But then also if this, again, if I'm, ha if I'm holding a pen 
and there are three angles by which I can rotate it, I think, right? <laughs> One, two. <laughs> I guess there are two angles to specify its location on the sphere, right? So two angles and that's, uh, yeah, so those are also degrees of freedom of this pen. So there is a way that you can think about a degree of freedom as being the same as a, as a dimension. And that's by, instead of thinking about real space, you know, our three-dimensional space here, you can think about something called configuration space of a system. Have you heard about this concept concept before? Heard it? Yes. Okay. No, know it and understand it? No. <laughs> well, I think we, we already have a definition of it. It's just like every point in that space, in this thing called configuration space, is a unique configuration of, of a system. So like... Again, if I'm if I'm going with my pen, a unique configuration is well where it is in space and which direction is it pointing in. So each point in configuration space tells you where the pen is and where it's pointing. So these angles of rotation of this pen become dimensions in configuration space. So let me see if I got this. It's mm -hmm. we can go back to our our game of Twister and yeah. there's almost a configuration of like right hand red dot <laughs> left foot Absolutely. Blue dot. yeah okay <laughs> yeah that's right that's right so it's like the configuration is specified by where all your limbs are and what color they're on okay something like that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly right this configuration space can have a, a different dimension than you might kind of initially expect which is to say that there might be a different number of degrees of freedom for a system than you could uh, than, than you sort of might expect from just looking at it. Like, for example, think about like a pendulum, right? So just an object hanging from a string which can move, say it can move in a 2D plane, right? So you, you uh, lift it up a little bit and let it swing. So it just moves in two dimensions rather than accessing the third. One way you could specify it, right, is by saying it's moving in a 2D plane, right? So I could specify the location of the little ball at the end of the pendulum right. by its XY coordinate. So that's two. But then another way of specifying it would be to just talk about the angle that, that the pendulum makes with the vertical, right? So like how, oh, how okay. horizontal it is. So how many, how many sets, right? So either you have the, the one set where you have the X or the Y or the, the angle itself is a set unto itself. Yeah, that's right. So they, but they describe the same, essentially the same thing. For sure. But I guess then also with the angle, you would need the... How far it is away from the origin or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I guess we're imagining that the the string is inextensible, right? You can't like right. stretch okay, it yeah. or... <laughs> so that constraint, the fact that it can't move uh, mm -hmm. in, the, in the direction of the string means that while it kind of looks like it has two degrees of freedom, this pendulum, it can move in a 2D plane. Right. The constraint, the, the fact that it can't move in the direction of the string mm -hmm. means it actually only has one degree of freedom, okay, which you can yeah. think of as the angle that the pendulum makes. So yeah, one number to characterize the state of a pendulum means one degree of freedom. So what that means is that, you know, you can think about degrees of freedom uh, for, for these systems of, as being sort of somehow either larger than the spatial dimension or, you know, smaller. Right. Particularly if you if you have some constraint on the system that might lower the number of degrees of freedom. Maybe it's a bit too technical. I don't know. But, um, but no, I, no, no. I think I, I think again it comes back to this idea of mm. so <laughs> how many dimensions there are. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, absolutely. 
and you know this this is kind of useful if you're like doing if you're trying to solve this system right you have some equations in motion which tell you given an initial configuration like how is this system going to transform in time or evolve in time and it can really help to think about these degrees of freedom because if you realize that there are fewer than you initially expected well it's a bit easier to solve things right. in fewer dimensions so right. like <laughs> instead of solving some two dimensional problem for the pendulum you just think about well what's the angle and oh it's just a it's a one dimensional problem that's a bit easier we're always looking for those shortcuts yeah that's exactly right <laughs> there was just something else that i was going to refer to when when we were kind of thinking about like what's the definition of a dimension and i mentioned it has to do with well what's what context you are working within and you know we've sort of discovered here that like this idea of a degree of freedom can also depend on the context of the system but dimension can mean slightly different things depending on what field you're working within and right, we're right. working within question field but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. but if you're like for example if you're a mathematician which uh, I'm not but you know I, I I've heard of some concepts that mathematicians throw about they could be referring to different things if they're dealing with different objects mm. but the what's interesting is that this idea of a dimension really is quite universal in math right yeah like if you have vector space which is something you know you can think of a vector as being a little arrow which has a length and a direction and the space that a vector lives in is called a vector space right and a vector space has a dimension which uh, is is very easy to think about because it's very intuitive like we it's just basically the same as the dimension right, of, yeah. of space that we live in yeah. it, it's slightly different from the formal definition that other spaces have like for example you can get some really weird definitions of dimension like if you ever work with fractals right have you heard of you've heard of yeah, fractals yeah yeah they can have a certain definition of dimension which is not an integer um so you can have a three halves that, dimensional fractal. That, that, I got to wash my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just gets pretty weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. Wild. Um, Sorry, I'm still flustered by three and a half. <laughs> no, that's okay. Fractal dimension. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's just, no, this is it's just all fascinating to me. It's fascinating. So can I ask you a question? Um, Absolutely. Why do we care about these things? Like, why why do we care about the number of degrees of freedom that something has, or the? I guess it's maybe a bit more intuitive why we care about the number of dimensions something moves in. But what about degrees of freedom? Like, why bother counting them? I feel like there's some wanting to know mm -hmm. the 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 many combinations that something can occupy. Uh, sure, like maybe fully understand you know that what characterizes this system. If you think about the way molecules and atoms move, they can be sort of very, to a very good approximation thought of just moving kind of randomly. And so if you think about the ways in which a molecule can move and think about sort of like a just random motion in all of those directions, then that gets you a pretty good way to understanding how, how it actually moves in practice. So if you think about all these ways that a molecule can move, you start to think about the properties that a whole bunch of these molecules can have. So like if you have right. molecules forming a gas, something like that. There's a theorem which says that if you have a certain type of a degree of freedom, then the energy of a system is equally chunked into all of those different degrees of freedom. So if, if I have like, again, if I have my pen um, and we're thinking about this as a tiny microscopic pen and it's a statistical system so there are there are billions and billions and billions of these tiny pens then if that whole system has some amount of energy 
then on average, some of that energy gets put into moving these pens about in space and some of that energy gets put into rotating them. So it's sort of like, you know, like three lots of that energy gets put into the uh, kinetic energy of these pens, Mm. just them bouncing about frenetically. And then two lots of that energy gets put into spinning them about, like if you're doing some cool pen trick with your uh, fingers, which I can't do. (laughs) (laughs) So if you you learn some stuff about thermodynamics and and things like that, you learn about all these these different things, like, um, for example, specific heat. How much energy does something, does a, a substance take, like water, for example, how much energy do you need to put into water to raise its temperature? And you can think about specific heat either as some just macroscopic property, which which is just, you know, given to you. Like you don't, you don't need to derive it. You just yeah. kind of measure it and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you think about these degrees of freedom, you can actually kind of derive the specific heat. By just accounting for each different way that it can move and what's the proportion of how many are going to be moving this way and yeah. That's exactly right, yeah. Do you teach um, this kind of stuff to to your students? Not, not even a little bit. No, we, uh, no, I think when I talk about dimensions practically, it's kind of like, all right, what is it that you have to account for, right? When, when we're, yeah. running, you know, we're, we're trying to measure cart going down a ramp. We got to know the angle of the ramp. We got to know the length of the ramp. We need to make sure we have our stopwatch, right? It's just, what is everything that we need to, we got to make sure we have, right? That's like probably the extent of how far like we get into it. Certainly not (laughs) to this, this, uh, I dare I say degree of, uh, (laughs) of conversation or, or depth of conversation. Yeah. Right. But you can, I guess, see where the the more technical or formal aspects of dimension come into play in those in those discussions, right? Yeah. Oh, like the you know, you're you're talking about the angle of the ramp and the length of the ramp, and those are you know those are all numbers that you need to to describe the state of of that system that you're dealing with. So they're they're in some sense like degrees of freedom or or dimensions of that system. Are you able to describe a bit more sort of? your thought process when you like started uh, maybe thinking too much about this uh this topic um once i felt like i had a stronger idea of space time this three plus one which i'm not saying i understand right or well but to the extent that i ever did it was kind of like what else could be a dimension and and you you know i i, I try and read science articles when they come out and Mm-hmm. You hear stuff about, you know, there's 10 or 11 dimensions in string theory, depending on the particular flavor. And it's like, yeah. well, then where are they? Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting question. Like, why is, even before you get to the craziness of string theory, if, regardless of whether or not it's true, why is time considered a dimension? Yeah. Yeah. Campbell, why is time considered? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Brian. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess, so this, this idea comes from broadly from special relativity. I mean, these ideas were sort of percolating around the time that Einstein summarized them in, in his 1905 paper. The reason, well, maybe let me ask you this. Imagine you have an object and I seem to be gravitating towards my pen today, <laughs> so I'll stick with this. And I rotate that object, right? So say it's pointing initially in the X direction and I rotate the object around, I rotate the pen around the Z axis, Mm. right? So it's now pointing somewhere between like X and Y, Mm. right? 
So you can sort of think about this rotation as mixing the X and Y directions. Does that make sense to you? I'm I'm processing it. Yes, I I yeah. think I think I get I think yeah yeah <laughs> that tracks. So sort of like like the length of the pen isn't changed right, right by rotating it, but some of that length is now in the Y direction where it was initially all in the all, X direction. All the X, yeah, 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 yeah. It's what is the proportion that has now been shimmied or or, or traded or or whatever. However, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, what's being traded between the X and Y directions. And so if you say, for example, you were here, you had your uh, set of coordinate axes, um, and according to you, the pen was pointed in the X direction. Whereas for me, I have my own coordinate axes, maybe I have my own rulers and, and whatever else. And I say, no, that, that pen's pointed uh, halfway between the X and Y direction. And you say, well, that's okay, because we have a difference in perspective, but that's okay. We all agree, for example, on the length of the pen. If we can disagree on where it, it is pointing with respect to our coordinate axes, but we all agree on the length. Right. And so what physics cares about are these quantities that don't change when you go into a different observer's perspective. Like right, if you right. ask Brian what the length of the pen is, he says the same thing as if you ask Campbell. And the key realization was thinking about the speed of light as being something that all observers agree on. And so that's important, right? Because again, that's what physics is kind of about. But it turns out that if that's something that all observers agree on, then you can think about maybe what happens if I send out a beam of light and you are traveling at 99% the speed of light, according to me, in the same direction. And I ask, well, what speed do you measure that light to be uh, traveling at? And it's got to be the same speed, right? which is kind of weird because you would think you would measure it to be 1% of, um, right. of its, uh, of its uh, speed, according to me. So there, there is a specific set of transformations. So again, that rotation uh, that we were talking about is a transformation from my set of axes to your set of axes. And, right. and that transformation was just a rotation. There is also a transformation that gets from my set of spatial and time axes sitting here still sitting here still on, on Earth, and uh, or th there's a transformation that gets from that uh, coordinate system into your coordinate system, which is also a set of axes and a, and a clock to measure time. So all of that is to say that because the speed of light is constant, then we need this weird transformation that gets between the coordinate systems of observers that are moving relative to each other. So if you're moving 99% uh, the speed of light, we need some transformation that gets from your your frame of reference your um sets of axes and your clock to mine and that transformation is called a lorentz transformation or a lorentz boost um, boost because it it likes boosts your speed right so to bring this back to your pen yeah the the length of your pen in in this analogy is the speed of light because that is the thing that we agree on or sort of it's let me let me just um connect it directly to the pen the length of the pen is now something called a space-time interval and the reason that we need a space-time interval um is because that is what's preserved by a lorentz transformation so in the case of a rotation the length of the pen in three-dimensional space was preserved by that rotation now we have this thing called a lorentz transformation 
which preserves the length of my pen, which is pointing in four-dimensional space-time. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's very difficult to it's very yeah. difficult to think about, and particularly because we, you know, are on a podcast, we can't have visuals. Yeah. It's exactly the same. It's right. just like uh, if you replace the z-axis with a time axis, then the Lorentz transformation is again just a rotation, just right. as you would normally think about, and the length of the pen is the same. But it is it is it's very confusing because now we're thinking about the length of a vector pointing in time as well as space. So the reason we need to think about time as a dimension is because the thing that we all agree on is this space-time interval. We don't agree on spatial length anymore because move. Uh, this is one of the results of special relativity. If you are moving really really quickly uh, with respect to me, I will see your rulers get shrunk. Right, um, so right. that's called length contraction. So I will, I mean, this is really, it's insane. It's, it's mind boggling. But yeah. <laughs> so we're just sort of, I'm just sort of saying this, like it's blase or, <laughs> um, you know, so 1905, but right. it's no, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You, you, you don't know the number of questions that this one episode yeah. is going to generate. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, so we don't agree on spatial lengths anymore. We also don't agree on durations anymore. If I, if I measure something to last one second and you're moving really quickly, you'll measure it the same thing to last uh, much longer. So, but the thing that we do agree on is this combination of space and time. It's like if we observe as a, or take as a postulate, right, that the speed of light is constant, then you say, well, okay, fine. But what are the consequences of that? And the consequences are in part that this space-time interval of this pen pointing in uh, this pen pointing in space and time is has a length which is preserved. And it's sort of like the speed of light being constant is really important. It's fundamental, but it's also like once you accept it, it's sort of like okay, but now who cares? You know, right. like <laughs> the the, yeah. the next step is the kind of thing that you work with more and. That next step is that these these vectors, which point in space and time, are, have a length which is preserved. And by preserved, I mean all observers agree on. I guess what it, it sounds like once you have both of those components, mm -hmm. you can kind of go in in either I shouldn't say either direction, right? But you can kind like, <laughs> they kind of they they point to each other in a way that's that feels satisfying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Campbell, I think we need to. Uh, Take a take a breather for a week and uh, let the li let the <laughs> listeners recover because I of course am right there with you on all this. Uh, but um, yeah. if we could pick this up next week and we'll take absolutely. It I think we've got some more stuff that we can actually talk about on this um, related to this question. But I, w I will say that obviously this is just you know the, the, these podcasts are kind of just discussion around a question, right? We're we're not teaching you. We're not like giving you some rigorous uh, <laughs> rigorous introduction to any topic. We're just kind of mulling things over and, and that sort of thing. So if it brings up any questions, um, I'm sure we'll have some way for you to write in and like uh, share us your own questions. Absolutely. Share with us your own questions. Absolutely, yes. Uh, all of that information will be in the description, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and yeah, we would love to hear from everybody. Yeah, certainly if... if um, we've made any mistakes, which I'm sure through the episodes will be the case. Let us know about that as well. <laughs> Please, yes. Send all, all your all your hate uh, to this, this email. email address, which I'll splice in right here. <laughs> no. 
but thank you for listening, everybody. We will be back next time, uh, picking right back up with Dimensions. <laughs>